0: You know, it's, it's so simple in a way, like you're trying to get to A to B and you have everything you need with you.
1: Welcome to the Low Tide Boys, a swim run podcast. I'm Chip. I'm Chris. And this is episode 50. This is officially our carbon fiber episode. Today we have the founder of Frank Paddle, Frederick Bankson, um, As most, if not all, triathletes, current or former, would understand, we're going to majorly geek out on this interview (laughs) about all things carbon fiber, the design process, and the future of swim paddles and swim run. Can't wait to share this interview with you later in the show. Yeah, I really, uh, fascinating. Fascinating. From
2: minute one. Yeah. Fascinating. On to this week's shout outs. So we are shouting out all of our listeners in Porto Alegre. Alegre, Brazil. They have a bustling swimrun scene in southern Brazil, and we're grateful for everyone tuning into the show. Muito obrigado. Which, uh, many thanks. Many thanks. Now, for everyone's favorite mid-show theme song, This Week in Swimrun, powered by RaceID.com.
1: All right, so we actually have a little bit of an update this week. A uh, cool race took place this past weekend in Cape Town, South Africa. The hashtag Get Wrecked Cape Experience Swim Run put on by, try to say that three times fast, put on by Torpedo Swim Run. looked like a lot of fun. On their website, they refer to the sport as, quote, wildly cool, and obviously we, we yeah. would agree with that sentiment. The photos of the event looked amazing with beach runs, rough open water swims, and, of course, the typical smile at the finish line. By all the participants um as a programming alert we're already working on getting the race director richard on the show to chat about all things uh in the swim run scene down in south africa additionally our friends fanny and desiree's champions christmas challenge it's on its third week it's almost over so hope you're still putting your daily k's uh this week's social media theme is uh around christmas trees so post up your pics wearing christmasy stuff i guess for a chance to win awesome prizes even a coveted low tide boys t-shirt.
2: And we have been dropping some very relevant topical memes
1: that coincide (laughs) with
2: the Christmas challenge.
1: If our memes weren't niche enough, we're just taking it to a nichier level. Um, Finally, Atala has opened its World Championship registration window. So go to their press release, which we link to in the show notes to get all the details on how to enter. Registration is open until January 20th, 2021. So make sure that your race results are up to date. And may the odds be forever in your favor. And a note on that, actually, we if for some reason you did a race, but you didn't log
2: it, for some reason, the load, we didn't log any of our races this year. And it took me about maybe five to 10 minutes to get all of our races and all of our times in. So it's not a hassle. If you don't see your stuff in there, don't freak out. It's really easy to do.
1: Yeah, and do it. If that's, if that's your goal, go for it. So that's it for this week. Email us to tip us off on stuff and anything you want us to mention on the show. Happy to do it. Yes. And now for
2: updates, we have shirts and stickers shipping out, so be sure to head to our website to show off your low-tide pride. We're shipping those out as soon as we can to hopefully they get it there before the holidays. Uh, but, you know, we can't do anything that the post office can't do. Uh, if also, we're thinking of getting some some hats made, hats, beanies, things, toboggans, things to go on your dome. So let us know if you think that's a good idea or not. Uh, via, you know, whichever medium you choose. Hey, I take a hat. No, I don't want one. I got enough hats. That kind of yeah. stuff helps us sort out what, what we should be doing.
1: Yeah, but don't get too specific. Don't be like, yeah, can I get a red I need a red yeah, hat. Yeah. I don't know. we can Sounds like a Dr. Seuss book. Yeah. Red hat? Pool boy Now, on <laughs> to this week's interview with Frank Paddle. Yeah. So, as we mentioned at the start of the show, um, has a really interesting background and pretty much like he had an early love for all things carbon fiber from his days as a professional windsurfer yep you heard that right that led circuitously to triathlon and ultimately to swim run in this interview we chatted with frederick about his windsurfing days traveling the world how he found triathlon and eventually became a certified coach and how he did his first swim run race on a whim we talked about all things carbon fiber as well, including how he got the idea to, to make carbon fiber paddles and and how he eventually decided to go all in and start Frank Paddle. We talked about his design process and what he thinks makes for great swim paddles. So, yeah, he a lot even of good answered stuff. the question,
2: yeah. "What size swim paddle should you yes, use?"
1: His answer was very political but I think also very accurate, but we're not going to spoil it any more than that. But that's correct. We ask that question because swim paddles is, a, is an interesting topic that we're taking on as a, you know, we want, we just want to know what people think about it. Yeah. And, you know, we want you to know
2: that we're going to ask the hard questions. <laughs> when they come up, we're going to press for answers. So be sure to follow Frank Paddle on frankpaddle.com or frankpaddle
1: on Instagram. Until then. Enjoy the show. Enjoy. Frank Paddle. Carbon this is our, fiber. Our lightest show. This show weighs in at like eight grams. Okay, hey, we're very stoked to have Frederick Bankson on the show. He's from Sweden. He's the creator and of Frank paddles. Welcome to the show, Frederick.
0: Thank you so much for having me. Stoked to be
1: on. Yeah, so so we've been trying to make this happen for a few months. I'm really glad that that we're the schedules finally aligned. But before we start talking about Frank Paddles and and your experience in swim run, why don't you tell us a little bit about kind of how you grew up in sports? Um, I know that you used to be a professional windsurfer. Can you just dive into that a little bit for us?
0: Oh yeah. So I mean, I'm from from Sweden, and we are pretty big on sports. Um, and I was doing sports my whole life growing up like soccer and and playing hockey and like most sports basically mm-hmm. and then uh when I was nine, I just like fell in love with windsurfing and like on the west coast of Sweden, where I grew up and where i live it's uh it's very windy and it's really good for windsurfing, like wave windsurfing mm. um and I just got super hooked on it, and that was my like my one true passion in life basically for a good decade and a half. Wow. And, uh, I was competing a lot and it, it's kind of like one of those things where you are like, some people can say like, Oh, they have talent, for example, but it's, it's so much like dedication and you're so into your sport. It kind of comes natural. Mm. Like, um, I never felt like I was training, like that came right. kind of later, like in my twenties. I kind of started feeling like I was training, um, but it was all just fun. Windsurfing is a really cool sport. It has a lot of ele- and like elements that's kind of pretty similar to um to swim run, just like with being in nature, um,
1: right?
0: And like with whatever that entails. Like sometimes it's mm. really nice, and sometimes it's snowing and you know blowing a storm. Wow.
2: And you got to be ready for anything kind of just, just a very similar to swim run.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you, you have the gear to be able to go out, even if it's a nice breezy summer day or if it's a full blown storm.
1: So, you know, it's, um, it's really fascinating to me to, to hear, like, it sounds like at a really young age, you fell in love with this and it became your passion. But what's that like when you're, you know, 11, 12 years old and you're like, this is the one thing that I'm passionate about or that I'm most passionate about. Like, was it, was it, did it just seem like this is just all you ever wanted to do? Or, or was it more like, hey, I'm having a lot of fun with this. I'm good at it. Let me just see where this goes.
0: Mm, it was kind of, I had a really hard time being, you know, a teenager and think of having a normal job. Yeah. Uh, like I, I couldn't imagine not trying at least to become like a full-blown professional um, mm-hmm. windsurfer. And, um, I mean, that passion kind of held on all the way until it didn't feel like a passion anymore. And that's, you know, the day that I eventually, you know, canceled all my, or I didn't resign my contracts and mm-hmm. stop competing. Um, cause it came to a point where all my, like, I found myself in Venezuela after being on Hawaii after I don't even remember, like I've been somewhere else, super exotic, yeah. like in amazing. Uh, location and i was like miserable i was just mm-hmm. training to become you know the next level uh and it totally took away everything that was fun about it
1: wow wow and then and then uh yeah, yeah so then it was like that was when you were like let me just walk away
0: yeah i ra- i was like i rather have like keep a little bit of the love for the sport and leave the professional like the competitive side of it mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, Than to like totally burn out and never want to, you know, look at that equipment or talk to those people ever again.
2: Yeah. Now, sometimes this, when you hear a story like this, and it does sound, I I definitely kind of felt for you when you said that, you know, you had been to these places that people dream of just going once in their entire life for a vacation and you're hitting three of them within the summer, pretty much. It sounds like, did you just completely walk away and didn't touch anything for a couple of years or, did you just kind of dial it back? You got out of the professional thing, but you still went out every weekend on the mornings and, and went and did some windsurfing? Or what, what was your kind of process for that?
0: It was kind of, I think, for almost a year, I I was totally, like, I didn't... I wasn't in contact with the sport whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've always been, like, since I was early teenager, Like in, like, windsurfing equipment is extremely expensive. It's, you know, it makes... Triathlon seemed kind of (laughs) normal. So when I was 13, I started working like three afternoons a week, plus like weekends and all the summer just to pay for my own gear. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, um, and that job when I was, you know, late teens, um, that like I used to work at that place full time. Um, and I started working there again after like a year being away from
1: huh. that. Interesting. So, so, so you transition away from being a professional windsurfer, but you're obviously still very active and and athletic. Where did um, like trash triathlon and sort of swim run pop onto your radar?
0: So triathlon, like I for those years after competing, I was just. I don't know. I didn't have a purpose, you know, when you go from having a, like a, a passion that just basically is a a part of every little part of you and your life and your daily routine. And then that disappears. Like I had a big void that I didn't really fill with anything. So I would kind of like, I would still windsurf a little bit. It was still a lot of fun, but I didn't have anything that like, you know, swept me away kind of. And then when I was 20, I think I was 26, 20, uh, 26, I think. Um, a friend that I knew that was an r- extremely good windsurfer, he, he was talking about doing an Ironman. And that, that story just like, when I heard what he, how he described like trying to finish the run and like cramping and you know, crying and laughing at the same time, <laughs> I was like, that's what I want to do. That sounds like... That sounds like a mission. Yeah. Uh, and that really, uh, so basically when I started training for a triathlon, like Ironman was the only thing that was like worthy mm. in, in my head.
1: Yeah, like just the hardest, like the, only challenge the hardest enough. experience? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. And then, um, and then so, so I'm assuming you successfully negotiated an, an Ironman Man. <laughs> and uh and and then and then where when did you first learn about swim run and participate in one
0: so that was my i had a friend that i was training with um who was also into doing ironmans and he um he always liked more like the adventure kind of races he did uh like alp marathon runs and like more multi-sport kind of races that was his his passion Uh, and he was like there's a race up in stockholm um do you want to be in my team because then you can help me with the swim um because he wasn't a very strong he was a decent swimmer uh but he was like it's he wanted you to tow him he uh, (laughs) he basically wanted me to pull him and uh and he was like i'll I'll pay for your entry and the travel and everything so i was like okay let's go that sounds like fun that's a good deal (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> so um yeah so we went up to Amphibia Mannen. I think this is 2014 I don't think it's 2013 it must have been 2014 um and it was super cool but I was so into um like the whole Ironman because Ironman was still so new to me yeah that like I never uh, I like I didn't see myself doing a lot of uh, swim runs because it was like you know in Sweden, they would be in the season of all the triathlons. Right. And then 2015, when we were traveling, so I I started traveling a lot to be able to train, um, to be doing training the whole winter. Mm-hmm. Um, ah. so, and during that time, that's when they released the Ironman coaching certification.
1: Oh, yeah, that's
0: right. And I've always been, like, I've been coaching a ton in windsurfing. I have a certification for, for a coaching there and even coached it at, um, what would be basically a college that we have in, in my town. Mm. Um, so I was teaching a lot of people to windsurf. And so it's kind of, it was like, I really love doing that. So it was a natural transition to be, you know, cause I was so passionate about triathlons. Mm-hmm. And during that time I, I was doing a lot of ocean swimming and I really, I don't know. I, I grew up on the ocean, like in a little sleepy little summer town, basically. Mm-hmm. And when I was a kid, we, we, you know, when we were like seven, we would go swimming like five times a day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, swim. And it it go was have kind a snack, of like so. in,
0: you know, in the environment we have around here, with you know the archipelago. Yeah. So it was, you know, I think that's why swim run is so, um, you know, it's it's so simple in a way. Like you're trying to get to A to B, and you have everything you need with you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I also think, I think even deeper than that, I think you just mentioned it, like the way, like it makes sense to me that swim run was invented in Sweden just because of what you described, what your childhood was like. Like we've heard that from other guests. It's like, oh, I just grew up doing this and then it turned into a sport. So, you know, I love it. This is, it feels like home, right? To just go island to island or just, you know, do whatever you want, be in nature. Um, Is that, is that sort of, I mean, would would you kind of agree with that with that sentiment?
0: Yeah, I think so. Definitely, it's um, it's. I mean, a, a large part of, of Sweden has that kind of coastline uh, with cliffs and, um, and and small islands. So it's a it's a, yeah it's a, it's a kind of a natural. I, I mean, the first time I I ever heard the, the name swim run, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. That sounds like <laughs> why not <laughs>
2: totally so your coach like so many
0: they're like yeah you need this stick and then you're on skates and it's ice and then you have a little goal and then it's 45 people and you're going to shoot the ball yeah and then you know a book of rules and here it's like yeah you go a to b over those islands, like a couple of islands and uh that's the race
2: then you're just tied to somebody the simplicity yeah. of it, I, I think, is probably pretty attractive. I mean, when you're explaining it the first time to somebody, it's complex because there's lots. You kind of have to – they think it's one run and then one swim, but you kind of have to explain the transitions and then the partner and then you're forgetting stuff. But, yeah, I mean, it, it is when you think about it. You're just going from A to B on whatever route that you kind of want, and you can swim some of it, and you can run some of it, and you're doing it with a friend. Yeah. That's essentially the distilling <laughs> of Swim Rundown. So you, yeah. you're, coaching, you're coaching triathletes. You're racing still triathlons here in 2014-15, I'm assuming, as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then where did sort of the idea that you needed to make a carbon fiber swim paddle come from? And where did the, like, where, where did the Frank paddle come from?
0: Um, So the first time that I ever thought of it is like, like I've been working. So there's a company here that, um, like that, uh, he's an old windsurfer as well, like an old competitive windsurfer. He has a carbon fiber, like manufacturing company. Ah. Um, and I, I started working for, for them like on and off, like off season, like, Some extra hours here and there and some a couple of years I did full-time so I think I have like 15,000 hours of working with carbon fiber through my lifetime
2: wow Wow. okay
0: and so when I started swimming a ton I was like why is why why, why are we using plastic and it was like bendy and flexy and heavy like it doesn't make sense because windsurfing and I mean triathlon bikes as well I mean it's all about lightweight Know, the right
2: flex yeah. windsurfing kit sounds like kind of like an f1 car or something
0: yeah, yeah it's all carbon fiber I, wow. I mean i had since i was like 10 years old i basically had all carbon fiber here wow and that's why i had to work all the time yeah <laughs> you gotta <laughs> pay for that. all that carbon <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah so so um so you're like i see a problem and i think i know the solution And so, so how long before, well, how long did you have the idea and how long before that idea actually became Frank Paddles? Did you start right away kind of tinkering with it or sit on it for a while?
0: Yeah, the first idea, I, I started Googling it and I, like, I, I couldn't find anything on it. So this must be like 20, I think in 2015, I started looking into it. And I, there was nothing. So in a way I was like, there's gotta be a reason like why you wouldn't use it Mm -hmm. in my mind. It wasn't so much for, for swim run at that point, actually, it was more like, I want to have a really good, like um, stable paddle for my swimming. Cause I use paddles so much in my training. I would use them every, every workout five days a week in the pool, uh, in some, you know, in some form. Right. Wow. Um, and uh, so, when I started making them, the, like the first couple of prototypes, I never forget because an old friend of mine that's a carbon freak as well, uh, he's an ex pro uh, cyclist.
2: Oh, yeah. They love and, that. Stuff. And
0: I was talking with him and I was like, I, I was I'm thinking of making carbon fiber swim paddles. And he was like, why? I'm Like, what? Are you kidding me? Well, you love carbon fiber. He's like, yeah, no, no one's going to pay for it. Maybe, maybe it work, but no one's going to buy it. Like, what? Oh, maybe. That sucks. What a downer. And, wow. And actually, the first <laughs> prototype I made, like, he tested it, and he was like, no, nah, it's not good. I don't oh, wow. do like uh, So I had to go back and be like, okay. So, and that was a pretty simple construction, uh, which would have been an, a construction that would be possible to, you know, make them half the cost, basically.
1: Right. Mm,
2: okay.
0: And it didn't work. This sucks. Okay, I'll try it this way. It's much, you know, it's much more labor intense and more expensive in materials. But and then I tried that, and that was that was the first one was okay. Like so, the second prototype and the third one was like, ah, now now I get it. Now I know what I need to start looking into doing. And then I mean, the first the first model I I I actually sold. I'd made fifty prototypes of different paddles. Wow stiffness and holes and that's why it's so much fun sometimes when I read comments um, of like how a paddle should be because I've tested you know 50 of my own and then probably 20 other brands like plastic paddles yeah. just to like a reference um, and uh, I I mean today the, the, the model that I released a few months ago is compared to the that first one I released it's like
2: Space age in between. Right. Wow. Man, I'm, this is so curious. This is so fascinating to me. I'm going to have to dig in on this a little bit for you if you don't mind. Do you, can we call you Frank? Is that okay, actually? Or can I call you Frank? Yeah, yeah, Great, Frank. Thanks. So, a self proclaimed carbon fiber freak, which, you know, I appreciate that. For the layman's, I know the answer. Our listeners might not, though. Why is carbon fiber so expensive to produce? And, like, why is a bike at Target or, you know, wherever, a couple hundred dollars versus a carbon fiber bike, why is that $10,000? Like what's, what? how come? <laughs> I think there's a
1: little bit more of a range there, but yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah I mean, th- there's basically two parts. Uh, so one is the material itself. So to make carbon fiber, uh, you take an or- organic polymer and then you basically, you it's like the process is super uh, complicated, but basically what you do is you take a fiber and you pull it through a a bunch of different chemical and heating. So they heat it up to five and a half thousand Fahrenheit uh, with zero oxygen. So then they make the So, so what you kind of, the end product is like long strings of molecules that bound together um, Mm -hmm. with carbon atoms. And those like, they're very, very long. And so, what you get is something that, like, if you pull on it, it's, it's extremely strong. Like, it, it doesn't flex. Okay. So, what you can do, you can use, then, like, super thin uh, carbon fiber and make it really stiff compared to how um, how uh, light it is. So, how heavy it is.
2: Okay. So, the material is... is- is labor intensive to produce and expensive because you have to heat it up with probably really expensive machines and stuff. And then you need a lot of this material because they're all in these really thin fibers. Yeah. And and then they they make that into a weave. Then you have to weave that all together. So it's kind of like, uh,
1: yeah. And the weave and the weave is for, um, I mean, the reason you want to weave is because the stiffness is directional. So, um, on the longitudinal of the atoms, like it'll be super stiff, but across them, it's actually, it can still be brittle. Um, Absolutely. Are you reading that from somewhere? How do you know that? No, I'm a carbon fiber
2: freak myself. (laughs) You don't know that? You don't know that? I do now. Oh, yeah. I know what I'm getting for Christmas. I was all about saving
1: like four grams here and there, you know.
0: And then, so the the second part to like, let's say a a bike, like why that's more expensive if it's carbon fiber compared to if it's uh, aluminum. Mm. Or some sort of steel. Uh, the big difference is that you have to put all like it's all handmade. So even if you're buying something that's you know from China, like a like a cheap carbon fiber bike, it's still made by hand, and you cut out different. So because the the carbon fiber has strength going one way, um, you have to combine different part um, like different. Parts of carbon in order to get it strong where you need it to be strong Mm. and flexy where you want it to be flexy. Right. So a bike will have you know hundreds of small segments of carbon fiber that have their specific part on the bike. Wow. Yeah, like for example,
1: like your bottom bracket. You want that to be super stiff, so then you're not like basically creating friction.
0: And then you want the top tube to be to absorb some some uh, you know. Vibrations. Some movement wow. and some vibrations. Because if you make it super stiff, you're just gonna be, it's just going to vibrate the whole life. Wow.
1: So, so, so then bringing that to paddles, I mean, I guess that you, you want a certain amount of stiffness, but you also want it to be, I guess, a little bendy depending on, on whatever elements also, you're going to be in, yeah, right?
0: That, that's a lot of like, that's when you start working uh, in what's called a sandwich construction. Mm-hmm. So you have a core material that is not carbon fiber that has a lot of air into it. So it's super light, Mm. Uh, but they also have it. So we have that in, of course, different variations and in different uh, densities. So different weights. Uh, So with the thickness of that material and the type of carbon fiber and the angle of the carbon fiber, you can totally, I can make a paddle that's extremely soft or I can make one that's, hard as a rock you know that doesn't flex at all
2: this is this is crazy
0: so the, the the cool part about making it with a composite material so it's different materials combined that makes the the end product mm-hmm. the cool thing about that is you can change it you can make it however you want it to be so if someone told me oh i want this to be you know half as stiff i i can make something that's half as stiff or if you want it to be even more durable against rocks, for example, you can introduce a different material on the outside to protect the carbon fiber.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm. Wow, this is I'm I'm loving this. Okay, <laughs> so you're testing fifty different paddles and and whole layouts for your your wrist strap or your finger strap. Kind of where do you start? Like where's the big chunks that you're that you're trying to optimize right away versus the one that's like, okay, I'm going to move these three holes, two millimeters to the left and, and then reprint this paddle versus what's the big sweeping changes that you're kind of making to, to optimize those first few prototypes that you had.
0: A lot of it was shape and flex. Okay. Uh, and the first model had a different shape that had a rounded like the one, I, I really liked that kind of shape for my first, uh, the first model that was called the blue. Um, because I really liked the way it, it moved in the water with the kind of stroke that I used to have myself, uh, mm. which was a longer, slower stroke. Um, and then, but the biggest difference that was like the eye opener for me was the fact that I could actually see that I was improving my, my speed. With the same effort or actually less I, I felt like I was using less force for a slight increase in speed gotcha and and the actually one thing is when you pull the paddle through the water uh, m- like with the carbon fibers, I never found them to be wobbly like I, they never started to like go on, you know sideways on you mm-hmm. because of the turbulence
1: oh interesting because
0: uh, a paddle is really interesting because when you, when you stick your hand in, it, you, you work with, um, with a linear flow. So as soon as you start pulling in the water, it, it just turns into a lot of turbulence. And for me, it was controlling that turbulence that made my, the, the paddles uh, behave better, for lack of a better description, uh, to behave better in the water. Okay. So I felt like I was saving my shoulders. Like I didn't have, you know, have you ever used a paddle that's super, super flexy, and you just get tired in your shoulders, like your delts? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How you have to like control the paddle.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like the entry level paddles yeah. that have like a lot of holes in them can can be can be like that. Um, now some paddles also have like a little bit of texture on them to, I think, help with that turbulence. Um, is that something that you found was helpful or not helpful when you were designing yours?
0: Yeah, the first one I actually, I, I noticed that I, and I, um, the paddle had more control when I had that texture on it. Um, and it also helped, you know, gave it grip and also gave it actually a little bit of, um. Like that surface made it a little bit tougher against, um, you know, rocks, like scrapes, climbing and stuff. Um, But actually with the second uh, paddle that I I launched two months ago, um, I have a different finish on it, like a matte finish. And that just, for some reason, that felt better with this shape. And I don't really have a good explanation for it. But it is very different, and it's thinner
2: as well, the paddle. Nice. So, okay, you, you made a couple prototypes. You gave one to your buddy. He he kind of poo-pooed on it a little bit. You went back <laughs> to the drawing board. At what point did you kind of have something that people were, you know, I mean, you are you can't buy your paddles on your website. Like, you don't have stock on them. So they're obviously – the demand is higher than than the supply, or at least the supply you're willing to produce, I suppose. Um so, so where did you kind of like realize that, Hey, I really have something here or were you totally fine? Just, Hey, I made something for myself and it helps what I want to do. And I'm cool. with Just if, if I'm the only one who uses these, that's fine with me.
0: <laughs> I, yeah. it came to that point. I was really, uh, you know, I tried it out. I had quite a few people like buy some of the early, like the early models and try prototypes for me, and like give me their honest opinions uh, um, yeah, I don't know I, I, it was never like you know a lightning from the clear blue sky okay. kinda it was more it was something that was creeping it's like, yeah, maybe because you know initially i wasn't it wasn't towards uh, swim runners, it was more you know athletes that wanted to have something fancy in the pool, yeah so I mean. You know if you're just using it for training like you don't care if oh today i didn't have to lift 1100 pounds on my swim session because i had a lighter paddle you know so i was then it was just the, the stability and some i wasn't sure that people would care enough to be honest interesting yeah.
1: yeah i mean i guess for training yeah i can see why that wouldn't be a thing but for swim run, i mean uh, a friend of the show um and friend of Frank paddle, yeah, G Flow and Tobias from Germany. I mean, I think it was G Flow who basically shared the hot take with us that he thinks that every winner of you know major lot. major swim run races in the future are going to be using carbon fiber paddles. So, so I think he's he's sold on it. But um, for our listeners, like why why. I mean, do, do, you, do you agree with that statement? Do you think the carbon fiber paddles for swim runs specifically um, are that much of a game changer?
0: Yeah, I think so. It's especially the longer race. No, actually, I would say the short race, like shorter races with short swim legs still needs you to push harder. So if you can gain one second, you know, on a 200 meter stretch, yeah, that's still a second. Like that's win or lose sometimes um so i would say i think you uh, know definitely um i think as with a lot of sports there's also a little bit of a retro pushback in a way like you want to have the old school stuff you don't want to have the high-tech yeah latest um on um, until you get to a point where where it's super obvious of course
2: yeah and then I see here you have a new for fall. You just released your, your swim run version of the paddle. Tell us yeah. a little bit about the like R&D process, about that. Why you even decided to make a swim run specific one?
0: Um, actually, that, that one is like the first model that I released. Like that one, I'm, I'm probably going to take it off completely. Because I, you know, the, the swim run, the way that one is made... Is so far beyond that it's. I f- almost feel silly if I would try to keep selling the first model.
2: Wow! Right.
0: Um, and I mean, it's also. I mean, it's. It, you know, I use a 3D printer in house and make a couple of parts. So it's has it has a, a plastic on the edge and where the holes are, which also makes it a lot tougher on rocks or like wear and tear. Mm-hmm. Which, and also if, if you hit it against something, it's not gonna create a sharp, you know, something you can cut. Like if you have a carbon fiber paddle, it's all carbon fiber. If you, if you break that in some way in the edge, you know, that's a, that's a dull knife, also. Mm-hmm. Ouch. So it's also it's safety and it's uh, also performance because it's, it's more exact. Uh, so the, it's way higher precision. Uh, And then I also have um, uh, a different material both in the core and and in the bottom to be able to take up more, uh, you know, the rough life of a swim run paddle.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they're getting banged around. They're stuffed here, hitting rocks, hitting people.
0: Especially on race day. Like race day is a little bit like, you know, with gear in a lot of sports, like you kind of putting your gear on the line, like make it or break it kind of. But in training – people are way you know they're more uh, careful with their equipment you know yeah. your wetsuit or whatever you're not going to scrape it and destroy it on in a training day but on race day you don't really care right true that's also that i mean that's why i i mean i made um the the finger lead the finger pulley system that's on my uh, my paddles yeah, I made that in a way so you can flip it with your hand. I, I don't know if you saw. That I just all. saw
2: the video. We just shared it on our Instagram account. We'll we'll be sure to like include it in the show notes or, or or save it so you can see. But a very very efficient kind of when you talk about transitioning from swim to run or vice versa, the ability to basically have your hands be usable to grab rocks or or scramble across whatever basically you flip your you kind of flick your paddle to the back side of your hand so it's on you know on the back side of your hand so your fingers are are, are free to to grab and do whatever you need to do um yeah. which which that's a pretty it's a pretty little nifty invention you have for yourself here. I love this little
0: strap. So so when I so I was a little bit cuz so next year I'm going to do a lot of races with my friend um that I uh, we just decided to to do a couple of races together. Um, so I'll be doing a lot of the swim run events, as many as I can. Nice. Uh, Same here. We'll so you <laughs> like, should, I, should I give this away? This is, I've never seen it before. I don't know if anyone, if someone has done it before, You please let I me know. I haven't them.
2: seen this before.
0: Yeah, because I don't want, I mean, I'm not sharing it as if it's my invention, but I just found it like interesting to see if people know how to do it or have done it. But everyone I shared it to so far, like no one has said that. Oh, I do that all the time.
2: Yeah, I mean basically kind of I know we're trying I'll I'll try to paint a picture with my words here on, on the podcast, but it's kind of like a lock lace, elastic style, what is that, two mil, maybe? And then there's a little uh, uh rubber yeah, it, it kind of looks like a big wedding ring <laughs> on the backside of your thing with an adjustable toggle so you can kinda of yank it. And loosen it and you don't have to worry about it breaking or totally falling through the other side of the hole
0: um yeah. but the
2: elastic part i think is the really key part that allows you to flip it around um yeah. when you're exiting
0: and the thing like the whole like, i experimented so much and i sent out some to to the people that that um helped test my paddles and the systems and the first ones i sent out they were like no nah, it sucks like i don't like it oh no <laughs> oh no that, yeah, but it, I mean, that's good. That's that's the feedback I want. I don't, if if everyone is kind of just like, yeah, it works, it's good, but it's not good. I mean, that that's horrible information for me. Like I want to know the true, someone's true opinion so I can change it and make it as good as possible. Yeah. yeah. But I, that was just like, oh, back to the drawing board and, you know, figure it out. And then, you know, I had to go to some weird places to find the materials to... You know, even though it looks like a little tube, it's like it had to be, you know, able to take chemicals and able to take salt and like temperature changes. Wow. Uh, and I, so far, I mean, I've been using it for like eight months. It seems to be lasting. Swim runs, we'll see. Right. We'll know. <laughs> we'll know eventually.
2: Yeah. It'll, it'll be exposed if there's a fault in it soon enough.
0: I mean, it's, it's. But the good, so one of the things about that system, I'm sorry for the listeners that don't have the picture in front of you, but it'll be on so the show
2: notes. Don't worry. They'll, they're following <laughs> right along right now.
0: So It's two loops. Uh, and what happens is if it's um, it's polyester coated, uh, the rubber inside. So, and it's a lot of small rubber strings inside of the, like the cover. So if you would like, let's say you, you slide it over a piece of glass and it, one of them breaks you can still use it. You can still like put it together and pull that through the, um, the whole cord, like the pulley cord.
2: It's a similar setup. What, um, what I've seen on goggles actually kind of the two elastic straps. So it it looks very similar to kind of a goggle mount.
0: Yeah. So I just felt like if you're doing a long race, you don't want to have to bring, you know, a ton of spares, yeah, of course you'll have maybe a spare of goggles with you mm-hmm. on a long race, but you don't want spare cords and you know paddles, and you want to keep you want to bring as little as uh, possible.
2: Yeah. So, Frank, w- what's the type of swim runner or or person that is coming to you to try to to try to purchase swim uh, Frank paddles? Are they are they at the tip top of their game and they're looking for that extra edge, and this is it, or uh, somebody that just wants uh, you know? a cool paddle in the pool or swim running?
0: It, I think it's... I mean, the, since launching the swim run, it's actually... I mean, I've sold to... I think most of the countries that has a swim runner in it, to be honest. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Great. I sell... Like, the first model was only to Sweden. And the second model is... I mean, it's all of Europe. It's... Uh, like, all the countries. Mm-hmm. It's America... Uh, South America still—I don't know if they, well, they were are going to catch on, but but it's uh, Europe is really big on on uh, it's really catching. I mean, you can tell that swim run is growing. Yeah, crazy fast because it's everywhere.
1: Well, it's such a great sport. Yeah. I mean I'm biased but a know, little bit I think, a biased, uh, I think it's but... a great sport. So so yes. so so Frank wh- where do you see like wh- what are what are your 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 goals for for Frank Paddles like are you you want to have a diversified line you you thinking other products um like wh- where do you see the brand in the next few years?
0: Um I think a little bit like the whole idea behind Frank Paddle why it even started and why I'm doing it the way I do is that I am I really don't like when something is, you know, you design it in your country and then you ship it away to have it made, you know, in, in China and then you send it back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like the fact of having it locally, you know, in Europe, in Sweden, in my town, like in my own, um, you know, factory, um and and having them handmade like i don't want i I don't want to outsource it ever and uh, i don't i i'm gonna do everything i can to never ever be in a position where i have to make them somewhere that's not like in america or sweden or like europe for sure but like i don't want to send them off to like a sweatshop and yeah right that's yeah, it's an, I hope I never ever have to even consider doing
2: that. It's an it's an artisan product and you're the artist and you you know, this is your your baby, essentially, and you want to have complete oversight on it, which makes a lot of sense to me.
1: Yeah, I mean I think there's also another piece, there's sort of the environmental piece, right? Where a lot of these things are made in China and Taiwan and the process of making carbon fiber actually, you know, isn't that fantastic for the environment. So you can at least mitigate that a little bit by not, not having to ship yeah. it all over the place and, and all that stuff. I think, I think it's noble, not only uh, a good idea.
0: And then it's all, it also allows me to have full control. So if there's anything ever that's, that would be failing for some reason, then it's very easy for me to change it. Right, mm-hmm. And that's also been a part. I mean, the, the blue paddle hasn't been on stop because I'm not, I don't want to sell it. Uh, and the swim run paddle has been kind of like almost in stock since I launched it in all sizes. Uh, but that one's also was like, I wanted it to be, I wanted to be able to stand by a hundred percent before I yeah. like just did it in order to sell them. Yeah. Cause I don't want to, like, I don't want to sell something that's not the best or, you know, the best that is possible to make. And it's it's always going to be a learning curve. I mean, I already have, uh, you know, two more um, of the swim run model, two more versions that's coming out. Because I want to be able to, you know, give like an ultra pro, like super duper light one where you have to flip them around. Like you can't climb anything with it because mm-hmm. you're going to break it. Like I want to make one, one of that, one like that for someone like myself that I'm never going to use them to climb a, a rock ever. Um, and then the model that I currently have, and then like a heavy duty one, if you are afraid of like breaking them or you use them in training every single session, uh, outdoors.
1: So, so Frank, um, I have, I have an important question. This is hotly debated on yeah. our show with our guests, big paddles, medium paddles or small paddles. Where, where, where do you land on what swim runners should be using?
0: Right size.
2: Wow. <laughs> oh, oh what very a, clever. A very answer. political answer. Love it. I mean, the,
0: there is, I would say it depends on, first off, your hand size and how efficient you are in the water. And as soon as you have the least bit of uh, a faulty stroke that you're going to have to pay for with, you know, impingement or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to suffer having a big paddle and you're also going to slow down your stroke rate. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's, a, it's a really hard question because it, it varies. I mean, I, I have, I've made triple XL carbon fiber paddles custom. Whoa. And I sell an uh, extra small that's, you know, that is the size of, a, of an iPhone, basically.
1: Sounds cute. So, I mean,
0: it's, th- there's everyone out there. Right. That's cool. And if you're like me, I mean, I'm, I'm six foot four, 200 pounds. Like for me and with big hands, like for me, a large paddle is, you know, feels, doesn't feel big. Mm-hmm. Like that's a high stroke rate kind of paddle for me. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, that's, so,
1: that's, that's some of what we've heard on the show as well. It's like getting the paddle that's right for you and stroke rate is, is more important than necessarily having like the biggest paddle that can, move as much water as possible. Yeah. And we, uh,
2: yeah, we had John Stevens on a very quick American swim runner out of Portland, Maine. And he had some great tips about open water swimming. If, if it's a more turbulent uh, water, maybe there, you know, you want something that you're going to be able to turn those turn, turn your stroke over a lot quicker than the big, if you had huge dinner plate or, or trash can lid type paddles, and you got huge waves and chop that you're trying to trying to make your way through, having those on are just more points for kind of turbulence to mess your stroke up or take your stroke the the other way.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I totally agree. So yeah, I would say it's... Uh, I don't think it's ever going to be like you need... Like, you should always have a medium or you should always be, have a small or a large or whatever. I think it's going to end up being like you need maybe two sizes or maybe, maybe even three uh, for the, all the different conditions and different. I mean, if you have a really long swim segment or you have a, a super short swim segment, of course it's going to like, it's going to change a little bit your swim speed. Mm-hmm. If you can go all out on a, you know, a 50 meter um, yeah. or, or have a, a you know, a, a mile swim in in Shopee waters it's gonna it's gonna change quite a bit
2: yeah nice
0: but i mean for i i was doing uh with the triple XL paddles i we were doing like 100 meter like full-blown you know balls to the walls kind of intensity and you know that's a that's a workout uh, you you you'll use muscles you didn't know exist <laughs> Like you, oh, I thought I had lats, but then there's something else back there. Like I don't know what that is, or your triceps. Something else you back there, and it's out. sore. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's hurting right now.
0: <laughs> Love it. I think it's really helpful to have, have many. Actually, I mean, the optimal would be to have three different sizes, basically. Yeah.
2: Nice. And then, is Frank Paddle's just you by yourself. You're 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 laying up the carbon yourself. You're doing everything, or you got a little small team there in Sweden and. How, what kind of, how big is the company?
0: No, I mean, it's, it's definitely like grassroots. I mean, I, so in, in, um, when COVID hit, so was that March, I think the end of March, I lost my ability. So I was renting, um, like from a friend's company, like space to, to have my carbon fiber manufacturing, Mm -hmm. uh, and I lost that ability. So for like a good month, I was like, oh, that's probably the death of Frank Powell. So I had an opportunity through a friend to rent out um, a small factory, which is way too big for what I need for it, like what I need it for. Uh, and, you know, it just like took everything I owned and put into it in order to keep making paddles. Wow. Um, so I mean it was kinda half a year ago it could have disappeared for sure.
2: Wow, wow. And you and you didn't disappear. You in fact you just doubled down. Which I love it.
0: Yeah, I was like, if I don't like I would just re- I would have regret that for the rest of my life if I, you know, yeah. knowing that I had an opportunity to see how like where I can take it.
2: Yeah. Awesome, man. I
0: believe, like, If you believe it, if you you know, if you actually produce something that you're really like yourself. You're like, yeah, maybe there's people like me out there. They can like, I mean, you can just do a math calculation on like having half the weight of your paddle, like two of them. Um, like what the weight saving of like the swim and the run is like every step, every stroke. Yeah. Huge.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's, it's, there's no, there's no denying that it was a great idea and, I mean, I think it's just it's just great. I love the sort of entrepreneurial spirit and the way that you're like, hey, let's see let's see where this goes. So so I think that's amazing and and yeah, congrats. We're we're stoked to try them out at some point. Um, but but Frank, thank you so much for being on the show. This was super educational. Yeah, I'm <laughs> um, for for us and uh, and then yeah, we just really appreciate you taking the time to, um, share to talk with us.
0: Hey, my pleasure. And then I I, want, I just want to do a little call out to uh, to all the people that like been helping me with uh, all the testing and all the prototypes and you know the the girls at the um, uh, Anik and Maria Ruman of the Wild yeah run,
2: Wilds Fun Run
0: super helpful and like all the triathletes throughout the years. Um, it's just been like I just want to give them a huge thanks for. Uh, for helping me and all my friends, you know, taking, you know, putting up with all my, uh, long hours and, uh, <laughs> weird requests.
2: We're familiar. Our, our, yeah. our friends and, and wives and partners. And, are, our, yeah. and my girlfriend
0: yeah, for, uh, for, uh, you know, sticking with me. Nice.
1: Yeah. Just make your, like a carbon fiber or something cool. And, and you're, you're good to go.
0: Yeah. Uh, she doesn't like the carbon fiber. I tried. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I, uh, I've been uh, at my old apartment, like when before she moved in five years ago. I I built like everything out of carbon fiber in the in the bathroom.
2: Just because you could,
0: uh, <laughs> love it. Just because, like, yeah. And then with the new apartment, uh, she didn't want it anywhere. So. <laughs> That's pretty
2: great. Uh, yeah, if anyone uh, is interested in checking out Frank Paddle, FrankPaddle dot com, and then on Instagram as well, Frank Paddle, and we'll include all this good stuff in the show notes, but uh Friedrich, once again, thank you so much for coming on and and chatting with us about swim run and paddles and dropping some carbon fiber knowledge
0: thanks guys it was a it was a true pleasure and i uh i hope uh do you, are you guys going to Sweden next year do you have any
1: well plans? let's see if we're allowed to go anywhere from the United States but yes, we are planning um sort of like a a european tour uh whenever we're allowed. Uh, because, yeah, we would, we would love to, to sort of see everyone that we've been interacting with all year and, and definitely go to the birthplace of the sport that we've um, grown to love.
0: Yeah, we should totally uh, meet up. We'll definitely, keep in touch. definitely. Yeah, for sure.
1: Excellent.
2: All right, Frank, thanks. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Low Tide Boys, a swim run podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast
1: and leave a review on iTunes if you're so inclined. You can also sign up for a newsletter at lowtideboys.com. That's boys with a Z. And check out our meme page at the Tide Boys on Instagram. If you have any questions or suggestions for the show, drop us an email at lowtideboys at gmail.com. We'd like to thank Writing Easy Records for our
2: show music and, of course, our wives for their support and tolerance of our swim
1: run activities, hobbies and other bullshit we do. <laughs> Finally, <laughs> you can support our efforts on Patreon. Until next time, get out there and go for a swim. And then a run, and then another swim, then another run, and then
2: another swim. And then run to the finish line and just keep going until you're done.
1: Yes, or until run you to cross the, or, the finish line, or run to the car, or run to your car somewhere. Just keep running. <laughs> Peace. Peace. Only